She's not like other moms, she's different. Uh, she's caring and loving, and I love her. She takes care of me when my dad's away. She gives me loves and kisses. She's heavy to a pod. Except she's really beautiful. She's kind. I love her to play with me. I love her to eat with me, and I love her to sing with me. Because, um, she's beautiful. Because, um, yesterday she got me a toy that there were so many choices, but she bought, and I kept picking things and picking things, but she finally did. But she got me two five surprise mini bricks. Because she'll do anything to get me into like, a club I want to be in, or like um, anywhere I need to be, she'll do anything to get it that way. Happy Mother's Day. 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 I want to thank our kids for making a fantastic video. And on their behalf, I want to wish all of the moms in the room and certainly those watching online as well a very happy Mother's Day. I hope you have a great day celebrating. Cyril of Alexandria, who lived from 376 to 444 AD and may have looked like this, what you see on the screens, was the bishop of Alexandria, Egypt, a prolific writer, and was the driving force behind the Council of Ephesus in 431 AD. The Council of Ephesus was called to resolve a challenge issued by a guy named Nestor, who was also a religious leader at the time, he was the bishop of Constantinople. The issue or problem was regarding of the human and the divine natures of Jesus Christ. At the council of Ephesus, Nestorianism as it came to be known, which believed that it was impossible for Jesus to have a human nature and a divine nature at the same time. That belief was rejected and condemned, and Nestor was removed from office and excommunicated. They basically looked at him and said, bro, you're out. We're done with you. They weren't messing around back in the 400s, I guess. Cyrus was actually known to have a temper and to be confrontational and divisive as he wrote and as he taught about God, which is not a great thing, but his writings are strong, though. And they include a commentary on Luke's gospel, where Cyrus says this about prayer. For it is the very means of our salvation to watch and fall upon our knees and make constant supplications 
and ask for the aid that comes from above. Let perchance it be our lot to grow weak and suffer a most terrible shipwreck. I believe Cyrus was referring to prayer not as a means or a way of salvation, but he was referring to it as a way to help us all avoid trouble and shipwreck in life, or to put it in our language, prayer is a way. Prayer is a means to help us become and stay rooted in Christ. As we come to the second talk, of the second section of our theme, Rooted in Christ, we will be thinking today about the spiritual discipline and the spiritual practice of prayer. And to help us with that, we begin with a very dynamic verse found in Hebrews chapter 4. It's verse 16, and here's what it says. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. It's this opening phrase that I find to be fascinating, let us come boldly. That phrase, come boldly in verse 16, expresses a thought which the epistle emphasizes. And that is, Christianity is the religion of free access to God. We can just boldly come before the throne of God, our gracious God, that's what it says here, and there we will receive mercy and we will find grace in that moment when we come boldly before the throne of God with our prayers and our petitions. It's there we find grace to help us when we need it the most. Now, I will say, we tend to read verses like Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, and say, great, yes, I love that. Just come boldly before the throne of God and here's what I want and here's what I need. But then I think we often begin to feel guilty. Prayer is one of those topics. It's one of those subjects that often makes us feel bad because we don't generally take advantage of this great thing that God extends to us. Occasionally here and there, maybe when we really need it or we're really in trouble, but in a regular systematic way, we don't often take advantage of this great thing called prayer, this practice that God offers to everyone who believes in him. I've joked about this before, but I've yet to meet the person or I've yet to have someone come to me and say, Pastor, listen, we have to talk. I have to slow down on this whole prayer thing. I mean, it's really taking over my life. And I got to back off because it's too much. Can you help me with that? I've yet to meet that person. And no one has ever said that to me because I think we tend to struggle with making this a dynamic thing in our lives and a great practice, yet it is so needed, so desperately needed. I think we all will agree with that. Scholar Ronald Rollheiser stated, we need help from beyond. We need God's help. 
strength from something beyond what is human. We need prayer. The first disciples of Jesus realized this. And they looked at Jesus and sensed that he himself drew his real strength and his power from a source beyond himself. Here's what I'd like to do as we approach thinking about the spiritual practice of prayer. I want to share a big idea that will frame our conversation. And then we want to look to the example of Jesus, who actually prayed quite a bit when he was here on earth. And we see this especially in Luke's gospel. So we'll focus on Luke and what he wrote in just a few moments. And then after that, I want to share my personal journey with prayer and then I'll have some practical takeaways. Let's begin with a big idea. I would encourage you to take notes so that you can come back and wrestle with this throughout the week. Here's our big idea. Following the example of Jesus. And this is where we start. We look to him. So following the example of Jesus, we need prayer to do this. To align us with God's heart so that we become humble servants aware of God's presence and activity in our everyday lives. Now, there's quite a bit there, and hopefully as we move through our time together, it will make sense. But let's just begin with thinking about following the example of Jesus. When seeking a mentor for prayer, like who did this? And who got it? Who was really good at praying? Well, we don't need to look any further than the person of Jesus. And what's interesting about Luke's gospel is he devotes more content and information to Jesus and his prayer life than any other gospel. Luke actually sets up Jesus as the ideal model for praying because he made it a regular activity in his life. And so let's look to the person of Jesus, and let's walk through some different passages in Luke. We'll only read one, and then we'll highlight and talk about some of the others, just so you can see the pattern of how Jesus made prayer a regular activity in his life. With your Bible or your device, please join me in Luke's Gospel, chapter 3. That's where we will begin. I'll read verses 21 and 22. What we find here is that Jesus is being baptized. He is about to begin his public ministry where he goes out and teaches and heals. And eventually that will lead to his arrest, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. But this is the beginning of the public phase of Jesus serving people. And here's what we find. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. One day... When the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized as he was praying. If you'd like to highlight and underline, I would encourage you to grab that phrase because it's very unique and dynamic to Luke's gospel. So Jesus himself is being baptized as he was praying, the heavens opened. It's quite fascinating to me that all four gospels share information about Jesus and his baptism. They all talk about it. Here's what happened. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. But Luke is the only gospel writer who records that Jesus prayed during his baptism. Matthew, Mark, and John don't mention that at all. Luke is the only one. In fact, 
Luke seems to make it the point of the passage, even more so than the baptism of Christ. That Jesus prayed, and when he prayed, the heavens opened, in verse 22, and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Right here in Luke chapter 3, we find Jesus praying before the launch of his public ministry and before all of the big events, the healings and the teachings, and eventually his death and resurrection at the very start of all of this, Jesus himself, he prays. And as he prays, well, things happen. Now, consider this. In Luke chapters 4, 5, 6, 9, and 22, we find Jesus withdrawing from the crowds. And he would go out and find a private place where he could pray and be alone with his father. And there we find a great example of getting away from the noise and the activity of life. Even Jesus needed to do that. And he found these private secluded places where he could just converse with his father. In Luke chapter 6, we find Jesus praying before choosing his disciples, which I find to be extraordinary. And we could ask, did Jesus even need to pray? I mean, after all, he is God, and that's probably a topic for another talk. We do find him praying quite a bit, especially in Luke's gospel, and he prays before going out and choosing the team that he would assemble that would shake the religious world for years to come. Jesus prayed and asked for help and support and wisdom in choosing that team that would take Christianity and the story of Jesus and the way of Christ and move that out into the world. Jesus prayed before a really important thing before all of these decisions about who would join that team. In Luke chapter 11, we find Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray. And he rolls out for them the model prayer, the Lord's prayer, which is something that Christians even today still pray and say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus rolled that out in Luke chapter 11. In the same chapter, Jesus shares a parable about a friend knocking on a neighbor's door at midnight because they needed a few things. And the whole point of the parable is that God answers prayer even at the midnight hour. So at midnight, keep praying. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus shares another parable about a widow and an unjust judge. And the point of that parable is persistently and boldly ask for what you need before God and keep doing that. Again, in Luke chapter 18, we find Jesus sharing another parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector who were praying. The Pharisees were religious leaders and they said all of the right words in the right way during their prayers. They put them in the right order and had the right cadence to their prayers. They had the right 
inflection in their voices as they prayed to the point where people saw it and said, oh, wow, like they are really good at praying and I don't ever want to pray out loud in front of them because they're so good. They just know what to say and how to package it all. And that's what we see in Luke chapter 18. A Pharisee is praying and he's putting all the right words together and people notice and are really impressed. And then there is this tax collector who is hated by many and he knows his life is messed up and he offers up this humble prayer where he acknowledges my life is a mess and I am a sinner. What happens in the parable is that the messy prayer is affirmed. They pray that way. And I do think there's a takeaway in there for us. It's okay to come before God and say, here I am. I am a sinner. Have mercy on me. That's okay to say. Jesus affirmed that prayer. And the fancy prayer? Well, Jesus looks at and basically says, that don't impress me much. Or something like that. In Luke 22, Jesus prays again. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to be arrested and he's about to go to the cross and give up his life and pay the price for our sins and then rise again and we find him praying and Luke focuses on his obedience and his willingness to move toward the cross, which is really astonishing. Jesus knew what was coming and he doesn't move away from the cross, instead his prayer is about asking for strength to move towards his purpose and why he came. Now, we walk through all of that to say what we find in Luke's gospel is that prayer is the driving force behind the mission of Jesus. Which is really an amazing thing to acknowledge. Of all the things Jesus did, prayer was the driving force behind how he interacted, how he chose his disciples, and how he fulfilled his ultimate mission of coming to die on the cross. Prayer fueled his mission. He didn't just talk about it. Jesus actually prayed. Jesus himself, the Son of God, he actually paused and took time to pray. I love what Catherine Wright says. The message to the church is obvious. I think we all understand this. If prayer fuels the entire work of God in Luke's gospel, how can we fail to imitate Jesus' example of prayer? And this is what we all need to wrestle with today. If prayer fueled his life, the sinless son of God, yet he's still praying and pouring out his heart before his father and taking time out of his busy schedule and getting into secluded places so he could do that. If Jesus himself needed that, then I think it's safe to say and to assume that we need even more of that, right? I want to share with you my personal journey and my story of prayer. And I hesitate to do that because I don't think I'm very good at practicing prayer. And I know I'm not where God wants me to be. I know that. And I acknowledge that and confess that. I know some people who have deep prayer lives. And I admire them and look to them. And they're probably the ones 
who should come and talk to you about this section. But I have learned some things through disappointment and through crying out to God, really, in seasons of doubt and frustration with prayer that have helped me. And I want to pass on those things to you. My story of prayer and trying to imitate the life of Jesus really focuses on one word, and that is routine. I felt it was important, for me at least, when I was thinking about the practice of prayer and how can I improve and how can this become a deep thing in my life? How can I follow the pattern and the example of Jesus? I felt I needed to establish some type of routine that I could go back to and repeat. That would be helpful. I grew up in a faith tradition that really didn't emphasize tradition and recited prayer or ancient prayers or memorized prayers. It was kind of all about just pray what's on your heart and God will be good with that. And that is true. And God certainly uses that. And we can come boldly before his throne with messy words that make no sense at all. That is okay to do. But I was looking for more. I wanted something a little deeper than constantly doing that. I wanted something that would help me establish some rhythms when it came to practicing prayer. So I looked to some ancient prayers and liturgy and prayers that you find in Scripture. Some prayers that Christians through the years, through the centuries, have offered up and prayed. And I found six of them. And what I do with these six written prayers, these liturgical prayers that I say the same thing every time I walk through them, is I lift these six prayers up. This is how I begin my prayer time now, every Monday through Friday. I start with these six ancient prayers. One of them is the Jesus Creed that we talked about last summer. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, and you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and Oh, by the way, love your neighbor as yourself. So this is how I begin my prayers. And I have five other liturgical types of prayers. And I have just found that reciting these things over and over again, Monday through Friday, it helps me step into the presence of God and just, just breathe a little bit. And I don't have to think about what to say. I'm just going to pray this. And I have found it helping me step into the presence of God and to honor him in respectful ways. And then after those six liturgical prayers that I recite and say Monday through Friday, I then start praying for my family. I pray for Valley Point Church. I pray for our communities. I pray for missionaries. I pray for our staff team. I pray for parents of students in our church, because we all need a lot of prayer, right? I pray for different age groups in our church, and I pray for world events and world leaders, and I have a way of dividing that up Monday through Friday. And then on Saturdays and Sundays, I have some other things that I pray. This is what I do, and I have found this rhythm, this routine to be very helpful, and guess what? It regularly gets interrupted, like all of the time. I'll get a call, Dad, right when I'm praying. 
Dad, I forgot my cleats at home. Can you bring them to school? Because I have to have them for practice today. So I'm like, yeah, I'll bring your cleats to school. And so I drop off the cleats. But I have found that the routine, even when it gets interrupted, I'm able to step back into it quickly. And there are a million other things that interrupt my prayer life and probably yours as well. It's called life, right? It happens. It happens. But I have just found that a rhythm helps me step into it and out of it, and I can come back to it, and it's very helpful. Maybe that will work for you. Maybe it won't. The point of all of this is you find something. You find something that can fuel your prayer life and will help you establish some rhythms and routines to practice what God wants for us. Back to the big idea. Prayer aligns us with God's heart so that we become humble servants aware of God's presence and activity in our everyday lives. This is what we desire and what we want. Let me give you three takeaways, okay? Number one, remain with Jesus by being a person of prayer. I think that's the best way to just hang tight with Jesus. Be with him in prayer. He prayed. It marked his life. It fueled his mission. If that was true of Jesus, why would we do anything less than that? So let's just remain with Jesus by being people of prayer. And let's practice it. And guess what? We get a lifetime to practice it. We'll never really get there. But let's keep working at making this a deeper thing in our lives because it will help us stay rooted to Jesus. Okay, number two. Move from immediate satisfaction. Think Amazon Prime. Right? We get really excited. Like, I have to wait two days? And the world is a mess. And I think we feel the same way about prayer sometimes. I got to wait for an answer? And our timelines rarely match God's. And I think sometimes he wants us to labor in prayer. Think crockpot. <laughs> Sitting and simmering and the sense wafting out and being really pleasant. Perhaps this is what God really wants for us, to sit with Jesus in prayer and not whine about answers not being where we want them to be, but just sitting there and soaking in the goodness of God and how he invites us to boldly come into his presence. And it's there we meet our gracious God and we find help in our time of need. Maybe that help isn't the actual answer. Maybe it's just simply being with God in solitude and alone with him. So as you... Think about prayer this week. Amazon Prime or Crock-Pot. Just go there and that'll help you remember all of this. You know, prayer isn't always exciting, interesting, or full of energy. I would say often it's not that exciting, interesting, or full of energy. But you know what? Every workout isn't exciting, interesting, or full of energy. Every meal we eat isn't always exciting, interesting, and full of energy. Sometimes we do things because it's right and it's good, 
even if we don't feel like it. And prayer is one of those things. And God invites us to step into his presence and to simmer with him and to sit and to soak and to allow God's peace to meet us there. So Amazon Prime or Crock-Pot, let's go with sitting in the presence of Jesus and waiting on him. One final takeaway, and that is come to our night of prayer this Tuesday, May 10th at 6.30 p.m. We're going to be right here in this room, and we're going to take 50 to 60 minutes and do nothing but pray. And it's an opportunity for you to practice this discipline. If that sounds scary and frightening to you and intimidating, I can assure you that you won't have to do anything that you don't want to do on that night. There's a lot of private time just at your chair to be able to pray and lift up your heart and your requests, and I guide that and prompt and give you some things to pray. It is a beautiful time of, I would say, simmering in the presence of God and inviting him to speak to us, and we listen and we kneel and we pray and we respond to his greatness. So a way to practice something that was really important to Jesus is available this Tuesday, and I would encourage you to take full advantage of that. May God, may God help all of us become people who practice prayer. Father, we step into your presence now, and we do what we've been talking about. We, we pray. We pray to you and we sit in your presence. I think prayer, I know at least for me and probably many people in the room and even those watching online, it's something we love. We get excited about it because it's a great thing and we can come before God, but I think we often feel guilty when we discuss this because we don't pray enough and we don't treat it the way that we should. We use it almost like a spare tire. It's there when we need it in an emergency. But we don't think about it when things are okay. God, as we think about being rooted in Christ Jesus and allowing our roots to grow down deep into him, one of the things that must change is our prayer lives. So God, we want to practice this and we want to get better and I pray that you'd help everybody to just think about what that means for them as they step out of here in a few moments and that they would be willing to do whatever it is that you plant on their hearts regarding this practice of prayer. So help us, help us to act, not just think about it, not just talk about it, but help us to be a faith community that acts and prays like Jesus. I want to give you a moment with your head bowed and your eyes closed just to simply talk to God. You pray. What is God whispering into your heart right now about this practice, this discipline of prayer? and what you need to do. Just talk to God about that.
And then would you stand with me? If you're comfortable, let's pray this out loud together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's respond to him.